2: What's up, everybody? This is Curtis Patrick from Dynasty Command Center Podcast. And before we get into episode 32, I wanted to tell you about my bookie. If you found 100 bucks on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half, it looks like your bet's going to lose. You can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy or gal that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now. And my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code blue wire to activate the offer, that's promo code BLUE WIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
3: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is still Travis May, and I am the Debbie Coordinator at Rotoviz, and I'm joined again by Curtis Patrick, who is the Dynasty Coordinator at Rotoviz. And Curtis, I can't believe it, but we're already, it's what, two weeks into the NFL season, uh, I'm basically an eighth of the way done with football, I don't even want to think about that right now, but... Uh, A lot has changed in terms of what we think of these players in just a short amount of time, and so I want to talk about this week some surprise studs and surprise duds uh, through the first two weeks of the season to help all of our listeners and, frankly, uh, ourselves kind of gauge what just happened and what to expect out of these surprise stars moving forward, and really just what kind of dud players we really need to not give up on, and maybe some players that we should just finally throwing the towel on as well uh so gonna take a long look at a few different specific situations that uh have recently apparently changed completely and, and really just want to jump in we'll be talking about with the the chiefs we'll be talking about it with the steelers obviously lots gonna change right there with big ben being out lots to get uh you get out right there but before we do curtis i think a w- word from uh, yahoo is is in order
2: yeah, I just want to remind listeners of the five hundred thousand dollar baller. It's ten dollar entry fee this week. Ten minute or ten percent management fee. Hundred fifty max entries in a flat payout structure. Uh, Travis, I am trying to decide which Kansas City chief receiver <laughs> to play in that contest this week because, uh, just like we're trying to figure out in Dynasty, I mean, from week to week, these Patrick Mahomes receivers uh, can can pop, and and finding out which one it's going to be. It's key to winning your dynasty matchup, you know, or or winning big bucks in and, and DFS. So, um, let's see what do, what do you have stat wise on on Sammy Watkins from the NFL Stat Explor.
3: Well, the NFL Stat Explorer tells me that Sammy is still the guy to trust uh, at wide receiver for the Chiefs. Obviously, he saw a major drop off in fantasy points, but he's still rocking a wide receiver one opportunity rating right now. If you look at his targets, his his uh, receptions, receiving yards. Uh, Basically every stat across the board he is a wide receiver one Uh, and obviously that first game kind of blowing up uh, his fantasy points over expected per game uh, was a little bit bloated as well. Um, If we were going to project some kind of growth uh, even beyond his average right now we'd want to see some kind of lower fantasy points over expected per game. Uh, but I think right now he's he's tracking a uh, wide receiver one type of, op- type of opportunity. I, I don't think that we should value him that way in Dynasty, just calling him a wide receiver one right now because eventually Tariq Hill is going to come back. But in the short term, I'm confidently plugging him in more so, obviously, than, in my opinion, obviously, than Miko Hardman or Demarcus Robinson. I think the real discussion is be- between Robinson and, and Hardman, but are are you disagreeing there at all?
2: No, I think with Sammy, the other, you know, kind of context you have to remember is, you know, he had that six for 49 and no touchdown line in week two, but he still had 13 targets. Um, Seriously? Yeah, he's he's just, he's a hog in a Patrick Mahomes offense. So until Tyreek comes back, you know, we have to view him as, you know, really one of the uber elite assets. And um, he's probably... You probably can't buy Sammy, and I don't. And you know, I don't even know that other people um, are going to come knocking on your door because there's Tyreek Hill out there, imminently returning. I saw all report today uh, that he was spotted dribbling the basketball with no cast, uh, with both hands mm-hmm. in the locker room. So that, I mean, this is how degenerate we've become. But now we're going to go ahead and speculate um, that he's going to return a little early um, from that original eight week. Uh, eight-week projection uh, of missed time. So, you know, even with Tyreek coming back inevitably and you know, the suspension stuff's behind us and, and whatnot, I think Sammy, it's it's really hard to not view him as a top 24 wide receiver. Even if you want to take Sammy's name off of it, whoever the number two receiver is in that offense, how can you not rank him as a dynasty wide receiver too? I mean, because all these guys, yeah. you know, are still in their mid-20s. You know, they're they're tied to who's... You know, probably going to be the best fantasy quarterback we've ever seen in the game. I mean, with Sammy, he's got the draft pedigree. He checks every prospect box that we ever wanted. It's just been the health has always been the issue, um, and until he landed in LA a few years ago, and there was a scheme fit issue. So with Sammy, um, he'll be getting crammed in somewhere in my top twenty four uh, when I when I you know revise those this week. Uh, probably between 20 and 24, but you know I have I have moved him up considerably. I think we have to look at you know his success in an, a non-Tyreek Hill world uh, as indicative of how the offense will use him moving forward. With Hardman and Robinson, you're right there. That's where the debate is. And Robinson's been buried here for years. He's had a lot of fanboys, but Hardman's got the draft pedigree um, and his his game. I mean, his game in week two. He had a 74 yard touchdown called back. He almost went off for 150 yards and two touchdowns in a second game as a rookie. Um, I I think, you know, arrow up on Hardman. I mean, he's showing us what we thought he could be. It's just that, you know, Tyreek's going to be there uh, now. That's that's what we didn't know or couldn't solve for back in the spring. So, I mean, I am team Hardman over Robinson if we're going to debate the wide receiver three position. You know, I, I don't know really what else to say about that. Hardman, I think, still... Um, deserves you know a late late first round rookie pick equivalent in terms of value you know he probably belongs somewhere between 80 and 100 in your dynasty rankings maybe 80 to 110 uh, overall is a good spot for him Um, and and really the only excuse not to do that would be you're a firm believer in demarcus robinson and want to stick him up there i mean we've got three St. I, I almost said the St. Louis Rams, man. This is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> we've almost got three. We've got three Los Angeles Rams receivers like in the top 50 for Dynasty. So how can we not have yeah. the the KC wide receiver three, at least in the top 100? So where are you on Hardman and Robinson?
3: I mean, I, I'm actually on Team Robinson, um, and that's partly because I, I wasn't a huge fan of, of Miko Hardman before. But I think there's an angle that, that uh, Robinson is uh, incredibly valuable uh, from that is separate than just right now in the short term and plugging him, him, in for points right now. Because a lot of a lot of players, you know, owners in Dynasty, they dropped him probably a while back. And now they're like, well, crap, that was stupid. I should probably go pick him back up. But in, yeah. this, in the cases where he, he he hasn't been dropped and he's still on deeper rosters, uh, I'm probably not moving him necessarily because I want to take advantage of the points now. And he's actually in the final year of his rookie deal. And uh, I, I, given the guys that they already have there, they probably can't afford to bring him back with Tyreek, with Sammy, with Miko. I think that he's one of those... A second contract guys that if he has any showing at all this year he gets decent uh, you know back in wide receiver two type money from some team and gets an opportunity and, and some real target share opportunity next year I mm. think think of you know Robert Woods kind of getting buried on and on the bills for forever uh, and obviously Robert Woods may have been a better prospect coming in just because of the the capital and the the production but Robinson had a weird story and I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, he was he was suspended four times back in college, uh, mostly due to drug-related things and uh, he just uh, went through rehab, kind of kind of found himself, uh, but that obviously hurt his chances at real draft capital and but even so, he still had fourth round draft capital. Uh, the, the Chiefs went out on a limb and saw the raw talent that was DeMarcus Robinson. And here we are four years into his deal. He's still on the team, still fighting through and, and getting six targets and getting 170 receiving yards. I think just because of the available pivot contract wise, uh, I think I want him more more so than letting Miko sit there after Tyreek Tari- comes back and not really be anything of worth for me.
2: Sure. I I think all that make I mean, I can get on board, particularly with your argument that you're really stashing him for next year. And I don't even yeah. think we have to talk about Robert Woods. I mean, I'll go right back to a Kansas City Chief who changed situation this year and has actually looked yeah. you know, really good in this spot, and Chris Conley. I mean, Chris, what Chris Conley's doing is, is uh, I think, a little bit understated in Jacksonville, but, I mean, really looks like – I mean, he might be the team's wide receiver one. He really might be. I mean, Minshew certainly thinks that he is. Um, and so, you know, Conley was – basically always going to be the post 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 hype sleeper <laughs> guy uh in kansas city and that kind of feels like what demarcus robinson's become so I, I mean i have no problem with that you know i'm not down on robinson i just think i think Miko, um for the reasons i stated earlier carves out that role and and wins that and and you're not i don't really even think you're disagreeing with that you're saying not necessarily we'll choose yeah may choose Hardman. i mean they're clearly not going to cut Hardman. they just invested yeah so much in him but they may feel comfortable moving on from Robinson and not bringing him back as a result of their investment in Hardman. And so DeMarcus Robinson, I mean, I think it is something something to track. Uh, this is not the type of player, however, that if you're going to go buy in Dynasty, that you want to make an offer just for him. If If you go shake down the DeMarcus Robinson owner the week after that big game, and you say you know what's robinson going to cost or you, or you float the offer of a a third round pick for Mar-, you know you have to disguise what you're doing when we talk about this in dynasty command center from time to time he is a sweetener piece and you got to make a, a another pivot with that owner that you're comfortable making and and try to get robinson added in here you've got to disguise uh through sleight of hand what what you're trying to do here so yeah any any uh, we, we I need to circle back to watkins for you where where do you think he would rank for you among dynasty wide receivers right now?
3: Uh, I think among dynasty wide receivers, he has to be like wide receiver 23. (laughs) We're we're on on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same
2: page. Yeah. because it's just like, I know
3: Hill's coming back, but you know, he's right now (laughs) he's going to be a beast.
2: Yeah. I mean, if Sammy's going to get, 100 mahomes targets even in a a secondary role yeah i mean it's 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 clearly worth something for the boom weeks that we'll get so uh, before we move on to uh some of these other players that have rapidly changed and dramatically changed their value uh want to talk to you about axios and there are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports But how are you supposed to read every great article? I mean, it's hard for me even to keep up with the team's content at RotoViz, let alone all the other sites that are out there. How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through all the apps, visiting every website on a daily basis is simply impossible. Now coming to the stage is Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Each morning, you'll see the best stories from around the sports world. NBA, NFL, even sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. And it's super simple to sign up. Sports.axios.com. Axios Sports is clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. Read it in five minutes in the elevator or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool kid, sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself and your time a favor. Sign up for the Axios Sports Newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, we subscribe to it, and it makes us feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try for free. At sports.axios.com. So we talked
3: about the Chiefs, and uh, that 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 looks like a lot of fun with Mahomes and being uh, just the, the crazy monster passer that he is. But uh, I want to talk about a less sexy offense uh, with a much less sexy quarterback. Blast uh, The Bengals. I know we. Blast me. <laughs> Don't say the
2: Bengals Sorry, aren't sexy. You know, really? okay? Don't Come say on, the Bengals man. aren't sexy.
3: Come on, dude. Let's be real. Andy Dalton, Patrick Mahomes. Who you
2: want? Man, it, it, this... his nickname's the Red Rifle. Man, he's he's firing shots. Okay, this is this is, okay. a, this his, is a new his... age Cincinnati garbage time offense, and we love it for fantasy. Okay, okay. What, whatever. Can, 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 can we can we come up with,
3: with a better better nickname for Pet- Patrick Mahomes than the Red Rifle? Then can we just make that make make that up right now? Do you have any idea? <laughs> like I don't even know. I don't. I don't. We've he, got we like got to king? do something. We, we can see brainstorm later? Where... I guess. But Mahomes is like the Lizard King. Right. That's way better than Red Rifle. Yeah, that's way better than Red Rifle. Let's be real, Lizard King versus Nah, Nah. That's yeah. no no competition. But uh, I digress. John Ross, we talked about him some. Obviously, he looks more. Uh, he looks much more than just a deep threat. Uh, his speed is definitely showing off. I mean, when he runs away from the, the entire defense, when he probably should have been downed, you know, forty yards before his long touchdown, uh, that's impressive. But I was looking at the NFL Stat Explorer again this week at John Ross, trying to understand what the heck he is. Uh, We just talked about him recently, but he's not actually seeing a bunch of just deep targets. Like, you know, like Ted Ginn, like that type of role, I heard people trying to compare him to Ted Ginn uh, a while back and even some this past week. He's just a deep ball guy. I mean, he, he wasn't on the throw that set up the field goal just a week ago with Drew Brees to win the game but for the most part he's just a deep deep threat guy but John Ross is actually 49th right now in air yards per target so he's clearly doing more underneath which that actually makes sense because he did a lot of underneath stuff as well and succeeded at Washington so we shouldn't be surprised when he just burns somebody in the short area because of his unbelievable quickness and speed uh, just to be able to provide that that quick separation i think that's showing up quite a bit but when you look across the board he's receiving yards total touchdowns uh, ppr points ppr per game fantasy points over expected per game he's top five in a lot of statistics right now uh that that you're right okay you're right curtis that, that doesn't seem very boring to me but uh, are, are you i mean last week we talked about taking him over aj green are you taking him over tyler boyd too
2: i'm, I'm not going to do that yet um but but i think these guys look like the long-term 1a you know 1 and 1a in cincinnati um they they do have complementary skill sets um i think boyd can be more of the the possession receiver not that he's only a possession receiver i mean boyd is certainly capable of big plays but Ross is is the electricity in the offense and i mean We've, we've got to talk about specifically where he's at in some of these stats because, I mean, if, if this stuff holds up, I mean, Ross, Ross is looking like a potential league winner. Um, it, like literally a potential league winner and dynasty, you know, exhumed from the deep crevices of your dynasty bench. I mean, this is just crazy. <laughs> not so, not
3: a good excuse. Not a good enough excuse to use the word crevices, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> All right, so, uh, <laughs> hey. Hey. Tied for through two weeks tied for 13th in the NFL with 20 targets first in the NFL with 270 receiving yards first in the NFL with three receiving touchdowns second in the NFL at 24 and a half yards per catch third in the NFL with 146 yards after catch. I mean, Ross, um, I, there's nothing else to say. I mean, this guy's just been a revelation, um, through two games. And so, um, You know, he's getting wide receiver two treatment from a target perspective, and he's being highly efficient with with those targets. You know, he's always been a a touchdown threat. It was like the only thing that he could do in his first two years uh, (laughs) in the NFL. And I think Zach Taylor has simply just, you know, figured out how to use this guy. I I posted uh, on my Twitter timeline uh, a couple days ago, it must have been after the uh, the games on Sunday, um, an overlay of uh, the Tyler Boyd's route uh routes run and John Rouse, Ross's routes run. And I mean they literally could not be more complimentary of each other. And so I mean I think Zach Taylor knows exactly what he wants these guys to do. Andy Dalton has been able to find them. And I how how is John Ross not in your I mean how is he not a dynasty wide receiver three? I mean it's difficult. Last week we talked about moving him moving him into the back end of, of the top fifty at the position. But I mean now okay so now we're two years removed on both of these guys. Who do you want? John Ross or Mike Williams? Oh my gosh. I, it's a t- the fact that <laughs> I, you're even saying, oh my gosh, that's everything we need to yeah. know. It's, a, it's a coin flip now, isn't it? It's a coin flip. And that is that is where this guy's risen. And if I asked anyone a couple weeks ago, where's Mike Williams? I mean, he, he was essentially a consensus dynasty wide receiver three. Low end, but consensus dynasty wide receiver three. Top 36, between 30 and 36 for most people in the industry. John Ross has to be looked at and considered like in the same thought, same breath as Mike Williams now through two weeks. I mean, so yeah, that, I that's where he's gone. That. Yeah, that's that's where he's gone. And so, you know, congratulations. You have hit the patient uh, patient dynasty owner lottery if you held on to him th- through three years. I mean, this, this is why you don't give up on guys with draft pedigree uh, or even because of a bad situation this early into their career because situations change quarterbacks change, coaches change, roles change. He's a yeah. top 10 pick. So, and he's a roster uh, saver too. Yeah. I, I like don't if know what was, else to if say. If he was on
3: your roster, you
2: yeah. you you, you could have thought, "Oh, I guess
3: I'm punting this year." And then you started John Ross and then look what happened. And so,
2: yeah. And it's so now well, you're 2 I, I hope right, for those right of, of you. Right of I mean, for for those of you uh that that saw my piece after week 1, you know, I I think th- this applied more to redraft, but you know, I had to counsel to spend at least fifty percent of Fab on him. You know, he could have been out there in some shallow dynasty leagues like uh, FFPC formats, um, but also some of the trade recommendations that I made after week one probably aren't even possible anymore, um, and would have been possible yeah. after week one. So, like uh, w- one thing I'd suggested was Corey Davis in a uh, you know mid round twenty twenty rookie pick, like a late second, early third. That's not going to be possible anymore. Uh, cause Davis put up a big old, you know, essentially a goose egg again in, in week two. Um, had also recommended Robbie Anderson for Ross plus whatever you could get with Ross. I think you probably can't make that deal straight up, uh, at this point. So yeah, I mean, I, the buy window on Ross for now, I think is closed and won't reopen until we see AJ green, uh, news on which week he's actually going to return and we saw an update on aj green travis um that he he thinks that the media like falsely or erroneously reported when he would return uh earlier today i don't know if you saw that yeah these these people were reporting that it was maybe like a four to six week injury and uh it, it kind of went under reported that he said you know i don't know where people got that time frame from i basically have to let this thing heal before i can come back so i mean if and wow. if if Green misses like half the season, it could be much longer. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he if he's not back till late October or something like that, and Ross is just totally entrenched, I mean, literally everything that I said would happen is just going to play out exactly the way uh, that we thought. So anyway, I don't I don't think that we can can wax anymore on John Ross, and we already have. So let's talk about <laughs> not. let's talk about a running back that hey we talked about on this podcast and that I wrote about this summer. And let's see what he's been doing.
3: I mean, we pretty much talked about this. I feel like we talked about Austin Eckler at least a half a dozen times on, on, on several shows just because, I mean, his his game logs, using another tool that Rotoviz has, I mean, looking at his game logs, uh, even with a healthy Melvin Gordon, it was just like, uh, guys, his ADP is way too low, by the way. <laughs> like and I feel like you and I both kind of like banged that drum for a long time, and then all of a sudden Melvin Gordon's like, hey, I'm not showing up and and people still didn't overcorrect or or just correct at all because they thought oh surely no Melvin Gordon come on just you don't have leverage you're going to come back and I don't know when he's going to come back uh we can get into that but I think it's it's mostly speculation at this point but his what he's done is is much, even even more impressive in some ways than what Melvin Gordon was doing. I mean, he's not killing it in the yards per carry category, but neither did Melvin Gordon. But as, as far as being a receiving threat, as far as being a top uh, rushing opportunity type player, um, and really just being incredibly efficient given his elite athleticism that, that I think some people forget about, uh, he's showing out to be a running back one in a running back one opportunity. Uh, and really, once Melvin Gordon even comes back, he's still going to be a flex, flex-worthy type play, I think, every single week. And there's there's a large sample of that being the case. So, I, I'm having trouble really pricing Eckler because I don't think he, you know, whenever Melvin Gordon comes back, I think that the ceiling is absolutely killed, but he's still valuable. So, where are you slotting him in your ranks right now? Is he like a running back two right now for you, just as far as Dynasty value goes?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean... Like, how many running backs do you really want to own in Dynasty right now? Like, that you feel comfortable owning? Like, there's, there's really not that many. Like, the, the range... Yeah, I mean, the range of outcomes on where these guys are going to be valued in 2020 is just crazy for pretty much all of them. And, you know, where I take offense... Or, or want to take my little victory lap on Eckler, it isn't even with the people that said they think Gordon would come back. You know, if your argument was that you thought Gordon would come back, I take issue with that because as we noted from the Rotoviz Game Splits app, Eckler paced for 192 PPR points even when Gordon played last year. Like he was scoring twelve PPR when Gordon <laughs> played. So he already should have been valued as a back end, you know, dynasty running back too. And yeah. you know, the ones that killed me are the ones that said well Justin Jackson Justin Jackson is going to be the guy. Justin Jackson wasn't the guy last year when this exact situation played out and Melvin Gordon sat out. Now, I told you Austin Eckler was going to get the line share of the carries, the lion's share of the touches, and that's exactly what's happened. I mean, if you have Austin Eckler on your team, you're probably in first place in your league or at least tied for it. I mean, I'd be surprised if you're not 2 and 0. Austin Eckler's second in the NFL, not among running backs, second in the NFL and yards after catch, Travis. He has got 165 yards after catch through two games. And then it's not like it was all in one deal. He had a, he has a long reception of 55 mm-hmm. yards. It's not like it's buoyed by some crazy 98-yard reception. And so if Melvin Gordon yeah. comes back, you know, I don't care that he's been training in San Diego. If he comes back and plays uh, for the Chargers, they're not going to just slot him into 25 touches in his first game. It's not going to no happen. Way. I mean, Dallas has no used way. kid gloves on Ezekiel Elliott, who's much been much more capable of of handling large uh, touch volume in his career than Melvin Gordon. So, you know, if if you don't think Austin Eckler ha- is going to protect the role that he's earned so far, you know, last year and then you know reinforced his value this year, I mean, I think you're crazy. I mean, Austin Eckler Eckler's still going to be producing at a low end RB two. Pace, even if Gordon comes back and, and, you know, reprises the role that we've seen in years past. And I still don't think it's outside the range of possible outcomes that Gordon does get moved. You know, if, if they yeah. can, if they, if they can trade him, um, and the, you know, the new deal was not part of the trade, um, I, he could still get moved. I mean, we've seen so many injuries already. They could be, they could become that confident in Austin Eckler that they just want to be rid of the headache. So, yeah, to answer All your right, question. So I got a question.
3: Yeah. All right, so let's. I think we should just look at some of these guys that are probably ranked over him by a lot of people, but where he slots in right now. If he's a running back too for you, he's not like in the you know the Nick Chubb, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, Dalvin Cook. That he's not up there. But like with with like Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones or Austin Eckler for you, like moving forward with ranks.
2: Uh, same tier at worst. Same tier at worst.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's where I am. But I think it's. Just, I don't think like, you it, could I trade one for the. It.
2: I don't think you could trade one for the other. I mean, I think people would be yeah, like, "Why is this trade in my inbox?" Yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, I, I think guys like even like Marlon Mack. Like, would you take Mack clearly Echler. over
2: Eckler? I'll take Eckler okay. over Mack. Okay, I'll take Eckler. over, over yeah. Sonny Michelle. I mean, those are the oh, yeah, of I, I, those I are the types agree, of guys which that is I want. Crazy. I mean, basically, insert name of. Game script, sensitive, fantasy running back without a receiving role, and I want Austin Eckler to roll for him.
3: Yep. No, that, and that, that shouldn't even be a debate. Like, it's just that I, I completely agree. But because we uh, get so enamored with draft capital after a role has already been established, in some cases, we get overly invested in some of these players that really we should probably pivot off of for players that don't have that type of limited role. And so I think... Eckler has to be like you said a running back too. Uh, even if Melvin Gordon comes back, that that's really not a hot take at all anymore. Uh, especially in this running back landscape that we have right now cuz no one no one offers a safe value outside like the top 12, maybe 13, 14 running backs. So it it, it quickly becomes uh, a questionable a mess after that range. So Heckler, hey,
2: let me ask you a question. Yeah. If If Melvin Gordon gets traded next week, where's Austin Eckler rank for you?
3: Uh, Eckler would be like top fifteen running back.
2: Yeah. Um, if If Melvin Gordon gets traded next week, Austin Eckler or Carry On Johnson?
3: That's the wrong running back to ask me
2: about. I know you're a Carry On fan, but, <laughs> but I guarantee you that's a harder I answer know. than you thought it would be. Yeah, that is that is a lot
3: harder to answer. I think I think I still. Barely give the edge to carry on Johnson, but they're, they're same tier.
2: Okay. If if least. Melvin Gordon gets traded next week, Austin Eckler or David Montgomery.
3: Definitely Eckler.
2: Miles Sanders. I like Miles Sanders, and that's definitely Eckler. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So this is what we gotta keep I mean, <laughs> like, so yeah, so you know, you guys gotta keep your minds open that this could change even more. Like the the growth and value trajectory for Austin Eckler, there's still room to run. There's still plenty of room to run. Yeah, And I would try to leverage the news from last night or or today that Melvin Gordon has said he's definitely playing somewhere in 2019 to try to buy Austin Eckler. I mean, no one is going to ask running back one prices to sell him, and you've got an opportunity to move for a guy like this. So um, at, at least start the conversation I mean, especially if his owner is in rebuild mode um, and you can move, you know, you can move picks or if you've got, you know, a plethora of wide receivers that you can, you know, transition into Eckler. He's a guy that you're going to be able to get some production from in any circumstance uh, at an RB2 level or, or better moving forward. So let's do some rapid fire on a couple guys. Sure. Um, Devin Singletary. So. Yeah, I I think he's exceeded expectations he's through two weeks, man. <laughs> yeah,
3: oh absolutely. I mean, and and it's funny, like they were posturing, like he was. Oh yeah, uh, Frank Gore's are our, our starting running back or whatever. And then when when they're both healthy, Singletary outsnapped him like two to one, like over two to one when they were healthy. So if if Singletary is healthy and he will be healthy at some point, uh, I think he will take over that role and he will be the back to own uh, for the Bills if there is one. Uh, so I think that that's a no brainer to me. And uh, I think he, he slots in. I think I had some people asking about like what he is, what he is in pick value. I mean, is he like late first or Devin Singletary for you?
2: Uh, 2020. I mean, I'll, t- I'll take a 2021st over Singletary. Okay. Early second. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I range? would take him over an early, I'd take him over an early second. I just think that the, the trade value, the future trade value of that 2020 pick like in three months It's just more than what I can see Singletary realistically doing. Like I, I think in a best case scenario he's not he's still not going to be a fantasy running back one. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trade that for him. But but love what Motor's been doing. Let's let's do a different version of that. And I'll ask you this question: Devin Singletary or Daryl Henderson?
3: Devin Singletary.
2: Wow. Yeah. Just in two weeks, and I mean I think this summer you were. I mean I know Hendo was not. You know, he wasn't one of your top two guys, but still a guy that you liked. Um, And so, you know, and I think there's some
3: schematic issues for him. Yeah. uh, With the Rams. But that's probably
2: he's not involved. I mean, he's not involved at all. Um, And we're at a point with Henderson where we almost need to see an injury. And so I think it's reasonable to have the debate now, uh, which means a a, a lot for me. I'm still going to be team Henderson over Singletary just (laughs) because I think when they get the chance, Henderson's upside is greater um yeah totally understand the argument for Singletary though especially with the nature of the running back position and i mean production now is just worth so much more um you know when we're in season okay another running back uh, yeah. way down the list raheem Mostert. <laughs> 49ers back to own like, yeah. and target short term or is he complete fade for you
3: you know I, uh, former
2: boiler maker i want to root for the guy but he's got to be <laughs> a complete fade if hey. uh <laughs> But the, he, the, uh, the only time former boilermaker deserves to be in any player's profile on this show is a couple years from now when we're talking about Rondell Moore otherwise we don't need to be talking about former boilermakers on this show
3: <laughs> yeah you know it, it's it's Rondell Moore is is amazing I could talk about him for like an entire podcast uh, he's he's gonna be a, a future former boilermaker that just absolutely annihilates it but yeah I, I think that I don't really know that there's any 49ers running back that I really want to be confident in this year just because it's just it's it's too much of a mess there's there's too many moving pieces week to week like just, just with the touchdown example like Je- Jeffrey Wilson who didn't even he was you know he was a healthy scratch a week before and then he shows up and, get, and and just takes the touchdown away so I I'm just fading that entire group are you are you right there with me in in, in regard to all 49ers backs
2: yeah, I don't. I don't think that you go and buy any of them. I think if you're a Matt Breiden owner, you're super happy, um, but Tevin Coleman's supposed to be back. I think week six. That's only going to make this even more complicated. Yeah, I, I'm just really not interested. I, none of them are. None of them are buys. You know, if, if Mostert's out there on your waiver wire, sure. I mean, pick him up on the off chance that he that he's something. If Wilson's out there, pick him up. I mean, not in a twenty. I wouldn't do it in a twenty player roster situation, but twenty five or more go get them. Kyle Shanahan did hint that Jeffrey Wilson might become the red zone back moving forward, which or or goal line back rather. And that would be really interesting Um, would make him, you know, kind of just a dart throw by week fill in guy. If we think he's a a good bet for a touchdown, but yeah, just really not really not interested uh, with any of these guys. Here's a guy that we are interested in the newest member of our dynasty tight end top five, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, man. Is there, is there like a more exciting first couple weeks? I mean, he's on the short list of like players that if you're writing a book about the 2019 NFL season so far, like Mark Andrews is in, in the first chapter of that book, like he, and, and really the whole Ravens offense, right? We could probably do a whole pod on the Ravens offense, uh, and we're going to talk about one of those other players, at least one of their other player in this podcast. But yeah, we could make uh, like
3: a like a fun like friends type sitcom with just
2: the Ravens Ravens offense. <laughs> like we, that would be incredible. Oh man, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so run down a, a couple key Mark Andrews stats, but I mean takeaway here, guys. Um, I, I, legitimately, he's he's my number five dynasty tight end now. Like I, I've seen enough.
3: Oh, I mean. Uh, well, I mean, both week both weeks so far he's got eight catches, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Like at the touchdown at the touchdown position, at <laughs> the tight end position. He you know, he he does he plays the touchdown position, not the tight end position. Like he's just going to score like every single week. Uh, the the sample size of attempts from Lamar Jackson obviously isn't through the roof, uh, and we'll probably get to that, but Mark Andrews, he's top 10 in virtually every Statistic that you can be for the tight end position right now I mean in targets he's fourth In receptions. He's second receiving yards. He's first total touchdowns first air yards fourth. I mean, it's just All down the line. He's absolutely killing it. Uh, I I I don't know Why we're super surprised uh, given his role in dominating production in college And uh, the 47 year old tight end that was selected for some reason before him uh, That wasn't really going to be an obstacle so it's just, obviously at this point, he is a top five dynasty tight end with top three type upside. Um, so for me, uh, it's impossible, impossible to trade for him right now. Um, but it's just a fantastic player to, to hold and enjoy. But if you want to sell him for a top five tight end type price to upgrade another position, I think you can definitely do it. Even though it's only two weeks, I think you can definitely sell him for a king's ransom right now.
2: Yeah, I, I i just don't I just don't like it. I I get it, and you probably could, but we like owning the Dominators at the onesie position. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and so yeah, I I think you know Scott Barrett, friend of the podcast. I mean, he he is now projecting that he thinks Mark Andrews could could break the PFF record for a yards per route run for tight ends this year. I mean that that's I mean he was in <laughs> on the Ravens offense as well. I uh, want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, this offseason, maybe beating the drum harder for those guys than anyone else I'm aware of. And, uh, uh, I mean, this is confirmation bias on, you know, what uh, we, we thought what might happen. I want to throw a little shout-out to the Everybody Vance Now crowd. Vance McDonald scored two touchdowns in Week 2. <laughs> two touchdowns in Week 2, man. Like, a, that, that's a career game for Vance, man. I love it. And they, they both came. From the golden right arm of Mason Rudolph, not Big Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> who's out for the, the season. Golden. The golden, arm of Mason Rudolph. <laughs> so let's let's talk about both those guys real quick. So Vance McDonald, you know, I I, I give my take here. You know, I, I don't think like the yardage upside is necessarily there uh, because the Steelers clear. I mean, they're not going to be a five thousand yard passing team. You know, like they've been in years past uh, with Roethlisberger at the helm. I think they're they're going to become more dependent on play action, um, and they're going to have to pick their spots based off of Mason Rudolph's relative strengths. But the fact that he went to Vance McDonald in the ten zone twice, you know, coming off the bench, I do think is interesting. I mean, both of those touchdowns, and I think the the first one was an eight yard pass, second one was a three yard pass, so right down around the goal line. If the team struggled to run the ball this year. So, uh, and he, and, and McDonald got seven targets in the game. I mean, he only had 38 yards, but he got seven targets and he caught all seven. So, I mean, I still think there's plenty of room. I mean, if you're projecting Vance McDonald to be a, a tight end one this year, I don't think that dream's dead. You know, I think the idea that he's going to be an eight or nine hundred yard receiver is probably dead, but I don't see why he can't still catch 60 balls and be a threat for eight plus touchdowns. Um, so you know, that's my take on Vance. Let me know what you think about Vance, and can you know can Mason Rudolph um, have some value uh, in a, in a single QB league? Obviously, any starter has value in a super flex league, but do you think you could see spot starting Rudolph in single QB?
3: I think so. I, I mean, he's once you get outside of the the elite options like Mark Andrews, uh, you're looking at a bunch of guys who are probably touchdown dependent that aren't going to put up crazy yardage totals for the most part. Uh, and so I think he's in that that big tier. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be kind of silly given who they have there to compete with for targets to really say he's not going to have a significant role, especially when they get in close. But I do want to speak into just Rudolph's inexperience at, at just using and utilizing that position. Uh, I think, obviously, Oklahoma State – hasn't been an offense in college football to really take advantage of the tight end position because they haven't had a bunch of studs they did have Blake Jarwin who people like to talk about now that he's on the Cowboys but Rudolph I mean he he loaded up loaded up the wide receiver stats and really avoided the position for the most part uh throughout his college career I mean hit James Washington all the time and we, we can get to that here shortly but um i i'm concerned about the just yard to yard like cha- moving the chains like his four is going to be kind of gross if he doesn't get in the end zone i think most weeks obviously he he had the seven seven this week but i don't know how about i don't know how many targets he's going to have uh just week to week with juju with with jay wash with probably james a little bit more james carton connor sprinkled in there um Given Mason Rudolph's history, but maybe he changes. Maybe he goes to the tight end more, just because Vance McDonald is a unique weapon that, you know, he doesn't look like any of the other options on the team. But I can't project that uh, and be very confident at all about him having a, a chain moving role. Okay, yeah, I,
2: th- I think I think that that's fair, um, and I think that Vance really only needs, what five targets a game to be a back end tight end one. I mean, eighty targets for the year. If you yeah. get there. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, again, it, it's setting a low bar and there's not much difference between tight end ten and tight end sixteen. I, I think we're saying we I, I think we can agree where we could probably agree. Let let's try this statement. You know, Vance's possible <laughs> twenty nineteen top five tight end upside. I think we're both gonna say the ship has sailed there, but not invaluable in fantasy or dynasty at this point. Fair? No, yeah, like yeah. Okay completely yeah,
3: absolutely. Yep. I
2: actually don't think I could have said that any more concisely or any better than I did. No, um, I, I, I kind of want to just clap <laughs> for you for a second.
3: <laughs> All know, right. Just <laughs> Let, let's talk.
2: Let's talk about a guy who I've just been on a roller coaster with a stinking guy, James Washington. And you know, we liked him coming out. Then he gets like buried yes. totally in the doghouse. But again, we just talked about this with John Ross earlier. And sometimes you need a situation with a different player to remind you, uh, to stick to your guns and guys with draft pedigree, the guys that produce in college, um, you know, these are good bets to make and Washington was buried, but the situation changed. Okay. One thing that changed was situation is Dante Moncrief still freaking sucks. Okay. Like he's dead. (laughs) You can cut, you can cut him. Dante Dante Moncrief. Get, yeah. Get him off your roster. He's seriously, he's terrible. Get him out of there. I apologize for ever speaking his name on this podcast but he's dead. So this is James Washington <laughs> or Deontay Johnson now at this point. And guess who has the inside track all of a sudden at the wide receiver two for the Steelers. It's James oh? MF and Washington. And that's because Jason yeah. Rudolph was his college quarterback, Travis. So tell us about their college connection,
3: man. I don't know. I-, I was trying to find some data on like college to pro tandems and like who's ever really had that opportunity. And, 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 the the number of receptions that that guys connected on, even while they were in college. I was just trying to find any any numbers. I'll let you know if I find something. I'm not sure how many college quarterbacks connected more with college wide receivers than these two guys. I mean, James Washington took 226 college receptions for nearly 20 yards per reception because he was an absolute monster of a deep threat. And on over 200 of his 226 receptions, they came from Mason Rudolph. These guys, uh, I mean, they they just had an amazing chemistry uh, at Oklahoma State, and that's clearly – that already showed up, I think, on one specific target. James Washington just knew exactly where to sit down in the zone and and knew exactly when and where Mason Rudolph was going to throw the ball. I think that we're going to see a lot of that moving forward. Uh, Just a week ago, uh, James Washington had really almost more air yards unfulfilled than anyone across the league. I think he he could – see that similar opportunity uptick this week with his favorite quarterback and favorite wide receiver back at him with Mason Rudolph, targeting him at least seven times, and maybe seven times a week moving forward.
2: Yeah, man, I'm going to retweet that. I saw that video that you posted. I'm going to retweet it from the at Dynasty Command handle um, after we're done recording the show because I do think it was a great example of Washington seeing – where the hole in that coverage was going to be, and anticipating, you know, how the quarterback was going to read it, and so, you know, a little sneak peek at what we might see moving forward. Um, so, yeah, uh, we love we love James Washington again, evidently, and it's yeah. because of Mason Rudolph. Who would have thought um, that we'd you know be uttering those words? So, all right, Travis. Speaking of being unfulfilled, guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm even guilty of it myself. Well, the same can be true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, just like Derek Henry, but it's really important to get it checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash blue wire.
3: So, we talked about Dante Moncut earlier, and I uh, wanted to talk about another player that just got cut, CJ Anderson. Uh, and uh, there was some buzz about how he got cut. He was actually going to <laughs> to speak about like his foundation, and like uh, he was still had some stuff to do, and uh, got a call from the line saying that he was cut. Kind of stinks. For C.J. Anderson, a player that uh, seems like a nice guy, has really grinded through a bunch to just get any opportunity at all in the NFL. But great things for on Johnson and his opportunity, I think. And he showed out last week just with his yards after contact that uh, that he just was he, – he is who we thought he would be. And really with on Johnson, I, I just want to wax po- poetic for a moment because he was such an easy slam dunk as a prospect. I mean, a lot of people wanted to – uh, knock him just because of their their you know their tape watching sessions from his final year at Auburn, and really looked at a few games where he was hobbled, and and unless you're you know the context surrounding a player, you you don't understand it. He actually has elite athleticism. He actually has great receiving chops. He actually led all Auburn running backs as a true freshman in receptions his first season. He had a strong final season dominator. He dropped 1,600 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns against SEC competition in his final year and tested as a plus athlete pretty much just across the board. And yet he was going late first. And Superflex super flex Leagues outside of the first in a couple of my leagues, which was just bonkers considering uh, the upside that came with Carry On Johnson. Uh, why I hesitated with Eckler earlier when we were talking about Carry On is just because I think his ceiling is is just, we, we have yet to see anything close to what he can offer. And I'm probably higher on Carry On than most, but he has to be borderline running back one in that conversation. Is, is he right there for you, Curtis?
2: Yeah. Last, last episode we got into a conversation that really from like running back eight down to mid running back two levels, it's just a big flat tier and you know, guys are jockeying for position. Certainly CJ Anderson being out of the picture can't hurt carry on Johnson, um, Riddick, you know, out of the picture earlier this summer. So, you know, the guys are falling by the wayside. It certainly looks like it's shaping up for carry on, um, to get more of a bell cow roll. And so, you know, we'd love to see it. Um, So I, I I think the ceiling is starting to open. I'll believe it when I see it with the lions Mm -hmm. coaching staff. I mean, they, they continue to make confounding decisions um, in the uh, Matt Patricia era, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I reserve the right to maintain the optimism uh, that that you have. Um, I think Ty Johnson is also an interesting uh, stash if he's available in your league. Waivers hasn't, haven't run yet as of this recording. Got to go take a look at Ty Johnson um, as a guy who could have a, a small complementary receiving role. So I think for carry-on at this point, it's going to be about can he handle the workload um, and how much will the Lions really run it. But sure, I mean, you say you know he's a back-end running back one. I, I can't really argue with that. I mean, we might be off by a couple spots here or there. Um, I did uh, draft – I was even in a non-super flex league able to draft him in the early second round, uh, the year that he came out. So yeah, he definitely was not a a consensus first round pick. Now that was a, that was a draft, uh, and the elite lemonade dynasty league. Uh, it's it's probably my league of record. You know, you talk about your league Hmm. of records, the one that you want to brag about, the one you really want, um, elite lemonade dynasty league is probably that for me. And, uh, we draft before the NFL draft. So I got to add some context there. Um, but yeah, um, certainly was not an across-the-board first-round pick as a rookie. Um, Lamar Jackson. This is a guy who, who was not a first-round pick as a rookie in single QB and probably uh, was disrespected in super flex rookie drafts uh, because of questions about his ability to pass the ball. But Travis, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> man. The, the, the efficiency's off the charts, and it's the passing efficiency. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, I I was completely (laughs) – I'm going to admit it, man. I was completely fooled by what the Baltimore Ravens offense was going to be. I thought they were going to be run heavy. It's a a Greg Roman offense. I mean, they've always ranked, you know, basically top three to five in the league in rushing attempts under Greg Roman. Nothing like – I mean, this offense that we're seeing is a down-the-field, like, gut-punch offense. I mean, good luck trying to cover Hollywood Brown, trying to cover Mark Andrews. Then letting Mark Ingram just chew up all these open spots that have been created in the defense, and then oh by the way, Lamar Jackson can just run for like eighteen yards whenever he wants. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. excited. I'm excited about Lamar Jackson, oh, man. My I'm excited it's about a freaking him. cheat code, yeah, I,
3: man. Yeah, not, I, not I don't think. Fair.
2: I don't think in in a single QB league, I don't think you could even buy him for like a projected late round, late first round pick in 2020. No. I bet his owners no, are that it's... excited. He's, I mean, he's, exciting, he's a man. running back.
3: Uh, he's, he's a running back who also gets passing touchdowns. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. Oh man.
2: Yeah, man. Nuts. I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully you bought low. Um, first in the NFL in passing touchdowns. First in the NFL in QBR. First in the NFL among quarterbacks and rushing yards. First, I mean, he's the QB one in fantasy right now. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And and by the way. Seventh in expected points per game. Second in fantasy points over expectation per game. I mean, there's even room to grow with how they're using him. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, arrow arrow up uh, on Lamar Jackson. This is wild, wild stuff. But, I mean, by midseason, and he keeps this up midseason. I mean, he's right there, like, in the discussion with Deshaun Watson for Dynasty QB2. I mean, we got a little ways to go. We've seen, you know, awesome two-game samples from quarterbacks before. I mean, the last two games of – yeah you know, the first two games of 2018 looked pretty darn good for Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't they? So I'd like to see more. I'm not <laughs> comparing these two players. I'm not comparing <laughs> these two players. don't go there I'm just saying we, we've seen we've seen guys throw up seven eight nine touchdowns in a two game span and look fantastic before. and it's not like the Ravens ex- have exactly played world beaters the first two games of the season.
3: You mean the dolphins so let's see like, what he, let's see you know they're gonna have dinner. a track meet in
2: week three track yeah. meet in week three against Kansas City. But let's see them play some Man. some solid offenses and or solid defenses rather, and how do the Ravens react to that? But you know, I, I, I'm reserving that you know right to make a, a definitive judgment on Lamar just until I see a little bit more. But this right. is obviously encouraging. I mean, I never thought we'd see any games like this. No, from Lamar it's, Jackson,
3: it's not too often that you get to see the quarterback one in dynasty versus the quarterback two in dynasty. You know, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the oh you already, <laughs> no. already putting him I, up there you already putting him up there in dynasty no
3: I, it, no after this week maybe no i'm not i'm not but that that you know he's he's a lot of fun so his his pass attempts per game obviously probably indicative that he's not going to get crazy passing numbers his touchdown percentage being at 12.3 percent is going to come down but it, that's it's okay it can come down it can come down a little bit and he's still probably going to be a, a back-end quarterback one for you uh in many spots yeah so and yeah.
2: and from twelve percent, it doesn't have to plummet. I mean, you know, if we look at somebody like Russell Wilson, I mean, he's maintained a career touchdown rate right around ten percent. So I mean, which it, you is know, just unprecedented.
3: That. Like that doesn't—that's yeah. crazy, though. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I mean, it, and and even if you want to look at you know precedent, you know, Russell Wilson might be a a, a good a good comparison here because you know that offense has never become. A high volume passing offense, but we've still seen him post some high end uh, quarterback fantasy finishes in his career. And so when you see something like, "Hey, twenty fourth in passing attempts, but first in fantasy points," I mean, those things are attainable when you're a scrambler and when you have a high touchdown rate. So I mean, the recipe's there. We just got to see if he can keep cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get off get, get off the quarterback position. You've you've got a, a rundown of a few other guys we need to hit. Yeah, just a few three.
3: Because we, you know, we've been talking about guys that are amazing and have been doing incredible things, uh, and should continue to do so. But we, I mean, there are four duds we probably need to address right now: Stefan Diggs, Juju Smith-Schuster, Damian Williams, Joe Mixon. Guys that you know we wanted to be more. Uh, we we were saying sell Damian Williams a while back. Probably should have sold a long time ago, and now really still isn't the time time to sell. But but Diggs. I mean, right now, if you look at his percentage of air yards, he's getting about 50% of the air yards for the Vikings right now. So he's going to pop off with a huge week here soon with more than just one big play um, because he's still the go-to option there uh, and is the future for that franchise at the wide receiver position. So right now, I mean, regardless of what – even if he has another down week this week, even if he has two more down weeks in a row, I don't, I don't really care because I know I trust the opportunity and the direction that he's going. Uh, are you that confident in in Diggs as well?
2: It's not a question of talent, but it is a question of situation. And as long as Minnesota is running the ball like they are with Dalvin Cook, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, what's their what's their incentive to funnel 149 targets to Stephon Diggs like they did in 2018? I mean, I'm concerned about volume. This is my main concern here it's not a concern of talent I'm all, honestly a little concerned with Kirk Cousins in this offense I mean we're let's give him more than two weeks uh to produce um and, and, and you know hold out there a little bit because we've seen him be you know a, from a fantasy perspective anyway a quarterback that can can prop up receivers and and even put up some good stats himself but yeah I am concerned about Stefan Diggs uh potential volume in this offense as long as the you know, Minnesota is playing in tight games, I mean, or winning. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's not going to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. I mean, that's not going to happen. They're playing slow. They're letting Dalvin Cook, you know, find the seam and, and the big run. I mean, Diggs has nine targets through two games. And they had two targets in a 28-12 to 12 win in week one against Atlanta and was highly inefficient, you know, in week two against Green Bay. Now, there was a second touchdown that was called back. Uh, and so, we, you know, again, context matters. If we're, we're not going to just look at this 149-1 one line and freak out. Mm-hmm. But I think he's harder to project, man. Like, I, I don't think you can – you know, I think coming into the season, you know, he's a high-end dynasty wide receiver too, and you're probably looking at him on your team. Like, even if he was your your wide receiver one on your squad, you're still probably feeling okay about that. I mean, I think he's like he's like a high variance guy now. Like he's like in this offense, he's like a Deshaun Jackson. Like he's gonna have blow up weeks, and he's gonna have you know two thirty seven zero lines. Like that's just what it is. But I think that's what it is for twenty nineteen. Unless they have some injuries on defense that that lead them to not staying in games, I'm just, I'm just outlook outlook down arrow down. I mean, I I think Stephon Diggs dynasty value and dynasty ranks at the end of twenty nineteen will be lower uh than they were at the beginning of twenty nineteen. I don't think this is a a story that recovers if we look at this you know, the whole season uh at the end of it.
3: My thing is there just has to be some regression to the mean for the offense as a whole. Like they're on pace for like three hundred and thirty pass attempts on the season. Last year the Titans threw the ball, I think four hundred and seventy something, it was just shy of four hundred and eighty pass attempts, which is like thirty pass attempts per game. And that's and that's low for NFL standards. So they're not going to be like two and a half, three times, you know, two two and a half or three standard deviations away from a normal mean of, of passing offense. So that's that's not going to maintain itself. In fact, I mean, they only threw the ball like ten times the first week. They actually threw the ball thirty times last week. I think if if there's any type of kind of drifting towards a normal NFL offense whatsoever. Uh, it's going to correct itself. Like I think that the air yards are going to fix it. I think that the attempts are going to be fixed. It's not going to be the, the 35 to 40, but I think we're looking at 32, 33 pass attempts per game. And that being, you know, it's going to be below average for NFL standards, but I think he's going to have two or three splash big weeks because of just that regression towards the mean of a, of a normal offense, regardless of what Dalvin Cook is doing. So I think we've seen it happen enough times that it's probably going to happen in this case with Diggs. So I've I've seen a lot of panic panicked on owners this week, and I'm just not there yet. I understand the lack of the upside that you want to see out of a wide receiver one, or even a top end wide receiver two, but I think that we're going to see that uh, in the ne- the near future, uh, and I think we're probably going to also see that with Juju, even though. We, we just got done talking about Jay J- Wash and J- well, James Washington, that is. Uh, I think we really can't necessarily just go crazy and panic with Juju right now, although his air yards per target's not looking great. It's like barely top 60. He's like barely a wide receiver, too, in targets per game. Uh, so there's there's some concern. But he's also, on top of that, performing below expectation. So talking about regression to the mean and, and kind of – just finding what should be his normal average output, it's gonna correct itself somewhat. But I think if you paid a wide receiver a one overall price right now, you're absolutely panicking. But I, I think long term, based on what he's already done, we can't pivot. We can't just treat him like Amari because he had a really good season or two to start his career. We just we can't treat him like, oh well, he he's the plague now because he he for two weeks kind of disappeared or whatever. But how are you treating Juju in trades uh, are you targeting right right now just because of the the wool and his value
2: i i probably own too much of him already to go target more um and i i think you know the people that have moved juju to wide receiver one in dynasty are are not just doing it because of what he's already done they're doing it because he's so young uh and yeah. because you know he's unchallenged on his team from you know who who is the alpha um yeah. you know there's no other answer other than juju there, So, um, you know, none of those things have changed. You know, what's changed is, you know, we swapped out Roethlisberger for Rudolph, and we need, you know, a chance to see what this offense is going to look like. You know, and and I think what happened with, with Roethlisberger leading up to this point, if you want to look at, you know, the depth of target for, for Juju and his production, I mean, if Ben's elbow was bothering him that bad, I mean, isn't it fair to question anything that happened in the passing game until, you know, he comes out? And, uh, you know, Rudolph, I, th- I think, funneled something like 27% of the targets uh, of his pass attempts to Juju after he came into that game. You know, if Juju gets 27 you know, percent of the targets in, in Pittsburgh moving forward, you know, he's going to be fine regardless of what their passing volume is. Um, yeah. So, I, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Um, I think the Steelers will still pass the ball. I don't think that their, their defense is suffocating enough. Uh, to prevent them from being in games where they're, you know, going to trail and and need to pass, and their running game has struggled mightily enough that they may just have to pass in order to move the ball at all. Um, so, you know, I, you know, if Juju was your dynasty wide receiver one, you're not moving him down just because of this in- injury. Um, no. But if if Rudolph sucks, and we have to endure a whole year of this, and we don't get good updates on Roethlisberger. Or don't see some sort of other plan from the Steelers early in the off season, yeah, then I think Juju will probably move down for most people or you know be part of that 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 tier, the size of that tier might open up a little bit more. Um but again, we you know, we reserve the right to evaluate Rudolph for a couple games and, and see what he's gonna do. So yeah, not not freaking out as somebody who's heavily exposed to Juju, not freaking out. I do think, hey, I mean, twenty nineteen Wide receiver one overall that dream probably dead. Um, yeah. Even just off of the relative lack of strength of his first two performances, regardless of how good he is with Rudolph moving forward, you know, having those two games that he just had probably hurts him. Um, Damian Williams dead or not dead? Uh, I
3: to me he's dead. I mean he was kind of I was like he, he's gonna decrease in value, right? I mean this is gonna happen and he's going to be replaced. This type of running back doesn't really stick um he had a really productive end to last season there was a bunch of coach speak that made it sound like he was going to get an opportunity it's cool hope you used it to sell high uh this is not hindsight speaking this is what we well what I've been saying all offseason uh and now LaShawn McCoy is there and he's better at literally everything even if Damian Williams is healthy so um yeah he's dead for me
2: Yep, Damian Williams back in May. uh, I I wrote on him as my biggest fade in the fifth round of Dynasty Startups. We've been in lockstep on this the whole time. Um, Any utility that he would have had would have been for 2019 only. Um, And it just doesn't look like the team's going to be able to run the ball uh, the way that they were. And it's more crowded, as you said. So, um, you know, uh, the the dreams of him, you know, being a Dynasty running back one and smashing um, this year. Uh, and having some, like, value that could be preserved. Um, those dreams have probably um, danced down the river, never to return. But if he has another bad game in week three, I mean, he's almost going to be at a point where he would have seen enough value loss to become, like, an interesting throw-in trade target because, uh, he, you know, he could, you know, I think the overcorrection can be really drastic with guys like this who move up so rapidly without a lot to support it. Um, you know, the, the yo-yo can be harsh to them. So don't be surprised, you know, after next week or after week, week four, if we're saying that maybe he's a sneaky target for some utility uh, later on in the season.
3: Yeah, possibly, but for me, probably not. But, <laughs> but <laughs> one more guy, one more guy, Joe Mixon's averaging a, an impressive like one and a half yards per carry right now. Um, not, not great, Bob, not great. Uh, but uh, is there actually a buy low window to take advantage of or are you concerned Curtis?
2: If you buy Joe Mixon low, you're buying him for 2020. That's the thing. I mean, this Bengals line is an atrocity to offensive lines. Um, it's not gonna improve this year. So um, you know there's gonna be times where he rips off a big play. And, and props up his, his stat line that way. But anything he's going to have to do is going to be on his own accord. And with the success that the Bengals are having throwing the ball uh, at the intermediate and downfield levels, that's really the way that their offense is running. And so unless the team gets more creative with how they're involving Mixon in the receiving game, this I mean, he doesn't look like a guy that's going to have preserved value as a, a dynasty running back one by the end of the year. I just... Mm. It would it would be a shock, and I mean, and, and look over the course of his career, he's had some you know a handful, six or seven games come to mind um, where he's really popped, and beyond that, just he, he's kind of had struggles as as a fantasy producer. So um, yeah, I I think if you if you're gonna buy him low, it's it's for a rebuilder or a team where you're just so strong that you can move you know some. Some guys who are producing now and and let you know Mixon have a spot on your on your bench even uh, because of the strength of your other guys that you have available. But you know if if on the on the other hand if if you're a competitor and Mixon was your running back one and you know you're a team that was running back heavy and and you're not being propped up by you know a Kelsey at tight end or a Mahomes at quarterback and, and you know strength of your onesie positions isn't there. I mean you you probably need to go running back shopping. And and Mixon yeah. might not even be the guy that you sell in order to get that upgrade, depending on your trade partner. So, um, just a little quick exercise uh, to to end this podcast. But um, would let's do a little. Would you pay? Would you pay a one twenty twenty first to move from Joe Mixon to Dalvin Cook?
3: Yeah, probably.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would. Would you pay? Would you pay two? 2020 first to move from Mixon to one of the Big Four. So Mixon and and two first for like Zeke or Camara.
3: Uh, probably not, but that's probably just a discussion about the twenty twenty class more so than it is Mixon.
2: Okay, so th- so there's a couple things buried in there then. So Cook is moving up closer to that yes, top four for you. He's closer to that tier. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, and so Mixon is worth more. Than one twenty twenty first to you still, um, yeah. is the other thing that that tells me. So yeah, um, okay. So he, I mean, again, he's he's sandwiched in that like running back eight to running back sixteen seventeen window, and he might be trending down toward the bottom of that. Um, you know, between now and the end of the year, based on the Cincinnati Bengals situation.
3: Yeah, I'd say that's pretty pretty safe, um, but I. I'm not moving off of him right now. It's really kind of hard to, and uh, I am looking to buy if someone's looking to panic, (laughs) but that's about all I, I have to say on that. And that's about all the time we have for this episode, episode episode. But uh, anyway, I hope this was really helpful. Week two is a, a wrap. We're already moving through the NFL season like crazy. Hopefully this was helpful. Lots of players, lots of information. If you have any questions, on this podcast please do find me and curtis on twitter Uh, you can find curtis at c patrick nfl i'm travis may at ff underscore travis m but thanks again for joining us for another dynasty command center podcast and until next time keep living that dynasty life